Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. This week on the podcast, we will discuss why multitasking is not the productivity gain that so many people seem to think that it is. A popular notion in the culture is that so-called multitasking is the mark of the most productive, smartest, and therefore most supremely valuable employees. And so, Ren, tell us how this notion about the value of multitasking is a false belief. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) The science on this one is, is crazy. Um, it just in the volume and all of it is consistently said the same thing all the way back to the really early, um, uh, multitasking studies done in the United States in the early industrial age. So Mm -hmm. right after the civil war, um, even to, um, some of the more famous ones that the French did with MRIs, it's all been the same thing. That um, other than not all multitasking is the same. So right now you and I are multitasking. Technically, we're listening. I'm talking. We're both breathing. We're probably mm. sitting, holding a phone. You know, we're doing several things at the same time. Yeah. The difference is that none of these things, um, other than me talking and you actively listening, are engaging our frontal, prefrontal cortex. Okay. Okay. When we do activities that engage our prefrontal cortex, that's what we mean by multitasking in a work setting. That's mm-hmm. when people think they can listen on a meeting and do emails at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Our studies show over and over and over again we can't. Okay. You cannot effectively split the brain, and that's what it's called, mm-hmm. that no matter what, your brain has to pay more attention to one activity than the other. And it will be whatever your brain perceives to be the most important thing at that time. Okay. So let's peel this onion back just a bit. Because as you say, you know, we can multitask. I can, I can walk and chew gum and I can drive a car and I can listen to the radio. Why can't I read email while I'm at a meeting? Right. So walking, once we learn how to walk, becomes a, what is a rote activity. We mm-hmm. don't think about walking, right? Same thing That's with right. chewing gum. Same thing with driving a car. Same thing with listening to the radio. Most of the time when we listen to the radio, we are actually not engaging our prefrontal cortex <clears throat> unless we're singing along. Oh, okay. Then we engage that part of our brain. But otherwise, it's kind of background noise. Um, but- where email, we have to use our prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. When we're in a meeting, if we're actively participating, we have to use our prefrontal cortex. We've all seen this and we've all probably are guilty of this when we're supposed to be paying attention in a meeting. So our prefrontal cortex, both sides Uh of it are engaged, paying attention to the meeting. We Uh get distracted by the email. What happens? Literally, if you're paying attention, and most of us are not paying attention in the moment, 
the minute you start reading that email, actually it's the second you start reading it, uh-huh. those voices become dimmed. Huh. And it's because your brain's now paying attention to the email and has had to shift its attention away from these conversations. And that's why we then miss things that are said in that conversation. We can only have one successful um, focal point of our prefrontal cortex, so the thinking part of our brain, at any given time. That's why talking on the phone and driving is so dangerous, even if it seems free. Uh Scientists and doctors have been begging for a decade to even make hands-free usage illegal because we need the prefrontal for driving uh-huh. and we needed to have an active conversation. Okay. And there, there is no way you can be talking on the phone and driving and it not be a distraction to your driving. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something I think that a lot of people are, are, uh, starting to grasp is that that's not a good idea. And I guess no. I wondered, I I wonder too though that you know if this was a generational phenomena or maybe a symptom of tech technical advance. When did when did all this start and how? Really, is we became more um, knowledge workers and less industrial mm-hmm. as a culture. It started picking up, and when that happened, the industrial leadership mindset didn't change. Okay. We all know that, uh-huh. right? Um, there's still this very hierarchical, dictatorial um, paradigm in most companies. That's the industrial model of leadership, uh-huh. right? But we're knowledge workers. Agile is a knowledge uh, worker uh, methodology, which is collaborative, right? Mm-hmm. It's science-driven. It's not dictatorial. It's not hierarchical, right? right, right. Um, but what happened is people got caught in the middle of this, of being measured in this physical productivity mm-hmm. in a knowledge industry. Okay. And that's why we have, you hear peer people talking about how many emails they have. Oh, yeah. Because that's how we measure physical activity in these knowledge industries. How many meetings you go to. Even if the meetings add no value, uh-huh. we still are under pressure to be in a lot of meetings because that's a display of physical productivity. It's like piecework. It is. There, There is... Um, some great studies, again, if you're bored and you want to Google <laughs> something. Um, there's some great work that Deming has done, uh, Drucker has done, uh, and some others. Both of those, unfortunately, have passed, but, from us, but they've decades of studies that show the incredible amount of make work. So it's just work that people are forced to do uh-huh. to show that they're productive. And the 80-20 rule came out of this, <laughs> uh-huh. 
which is 80% of the work we do produces 20% of the value. 20% of the work we do produces 80% of the value. Yeah. And it's in the end, if we really think about it and we really pay attention to physiologically what's going on with our brains and with our bodies when we try to multitask, every single person I've had done this has had to acknowledge there is no such thing. Okay. When when we talk about prefrontal multitasking, so you're thinking part of your brain, mm-hmm. there is no such thing. You may be doing two things at the same time, but your brain is really only paying attention to one and has pushed the other one into the background. Okay. So it sounds like, and you'll help help validate this, that, that the human brain, <clears throat> you know, does it, does it simply lack the bandwidth to process these multiple streams of information? In a way, um, what we're trying to do, so the prefrontal nerve spans both sides of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're using the analytical as, as well as the emotional creative side. At the same time, what we first do when we do multitasking is we're splitting the brain. So one task gets the right side, the other gets the left side. Both tasks are diminished. Okay. Right? Because they're not getting the full perspective of this thinking process. They're only getting half. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what the brain has to do, and it is a physiological design, and when you Think about the complexity of the human brain and the complexity to knowledge industry problem solving. You need both sides of the brain, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that drives me crazy, so I'm just going to slot this in now. Thank Science you. has taught us over and over and over and over again that when we focus on the one thing and then do the next thing, we actually are more efficient. We get them done quicker. Okay. This is why we do so much work on focusing in agile. It's why we, we, as coaches, a good coach is going to constantly be working with their teams to focus, 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 focus. Mm-hmm. Because when they focus on one user story for grooming at a time, they mm-hmm. will get that user story done faster and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Um, the same thing for work that we do in a sprint. We haven't talked about it in a while, but, you know, whip limits, work in progress limits. Mm-hmm. We do that because humans are more successful. You do better quality work when we're focused. Multitasking goes against human design. It, because we can't multitask, so this is where I'm challenging the premise of your question. This is not a failure of the human brain. It's not lacking in any way. It is a failure of our workplaces that are not designed to get the best product and the best work out of the human beings in this knowledge industry. That's where the failure lies. It's not in the human being. Because when we design workplaces to work the way human beings work and to work the way the human brain works, we have seen over and over extraordinary things. 3M was one of the, the was the 
pretty much acknowledged first manufacturing company to drop the manufacturing model and go to the knowledge industry model. And that is recognized as the most innovative and creative company in the world. They have more patents than anyone else and more inventions because they deliberately design their work in their labs to work the way human beings work best instead of trying to change human beings to work the way they don't work best. What I've found with most programmers, especially in agile environments, is if they're getting bored in a meeting, that's probably a meeting they're not supposed to be in. Okay. That isn't adding value or that they don't have an opportunity to add value. And remember, meeting is a swear word right. in Agile. We don't have, you know, like there's no scrum meetings, right? Right. We have ceremonies and we have rituals, but we don't have meetings. That's Why? Because right. every ceremony and every ritual has a defined value. Right. Meetings, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and so that's my problem. Like I mentioned that earlier, we pile on meetings to people because that's a way of showing productivity in, a, in the old industrial model. The same thing with bombarding people with, at, with emails and instant messages. Mm-hmm. That's not about adding value. All of that is about showing activity. Yeah. Look at how busy I am. Yes. Not how much value I'm creating. Totally different thing. So what I've done a lot is not as much beat up on programmers about multitasking, even though that's what I've been asked to do, mm-hmm. but actually push back and challenge, are they in the right meetings? And mm-hmm. should they really be in this meeting? And another one I find, is the role right in this meeting? Right. A lot of times if a programmer is not at a board writing, they probably shouldn't be in that meeting. Hmm. Or if they're not responding to something someone's writing on a board, that program probably shouldn't be there. Right. And what I've done and worked a lot with organizations is remove meetings from their calendars. And then everyone's productivity goes up. Right. And everybody goes, oh, my God, how did that happen? (laughs) Well, I got rid of the unnecessary meetings because those are just waste. Right. Let's take waste out of the system. Right. And it's not about having better meetings, by the way, because there's tons of books on that. Huh. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. It's about understanding that meetings are inherently wasteful. Mm -hmm. So how do we remove as much waste as humanly possible. Yeah, I think uh, I know a lot of people who would love the chance to go through the calendar and take those those meetings off. But I think it's true, too, that kind of what you say is that it's a way to look busy and seem like you're productive when the, when the real value is adding value and not looking busy. Right, and right. But kind of back to the, the question I ask, you know, similarly, people who who are high multitaskers, they think they're really good at it. So how are we going to convince them that they are just wrong? Well, most of the time they think they're really good at it because they've 
been told by their leadership that they are. Oh, okay. And they're being told by their leadership that they are because their leadership is measuring productivity in terms of meetings, mm-hmm. emails, instant messages, etc. They're not measuring business value. Okay. I have yet to be in an organization and seen someone who was rewarded, you know, was considered a high multitasker who was being rewarded and measured for delivering business value. Yeah. I've only ever seen them be rewarded for those traditional signs of productivity. Right. And I have one person in my in particular, um, very highly regarded, one of the most responsive of people to emails, a scrum master who would sit with their scrum team during the entire, all their ceremonies, every single ritual, including retro, and sit there and do emails. Because they were rewarded. And like, you know, the big annual ceremony, here's your your plaque, your name on a plaque type Uh rewards for just being incredibly responsive on emails. And no one would say that's what it was. But that's really what it was. Executives and leadership in that company love the fact that this scrum master would respond to every single email and do so within minutes. At at the same time, the scrum master was neglecting their team. Mm -hmm. And the team basically figured out how to be successful without their scrum master. And, and, And by the way, there's still still doing this today. It was not a battle that I could win because it went so high up in the organization. The CIO and the CEO were all about multitasking and it was all about measuring traditional forms of productivity and not business value. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, I've also read that, you know, multitasking, it it seems to serve, um, emotional needs and really doesn't have much to do with enhanced productivity. It's, mm-hmm. it's stimulating and it's entertaining and it keeps people from, from being bored at work. So I'm kind of back to my, my <laughs> previous question. How is that bad? That's very bad. Okay. Because they're not being stimulated by the, the work that adds business value. They're not being entertained by that. Right, which means right. they're not being challenged right. by it. And if they're bored, they're not being challenged by their work. Yep. Um, and if you're a capitalist, why are you paying people just to deliver emails? That's a good point. I don't know any company that makes money based on the volume of internal emails. Not mm. even Google, right? <laughs> no. One of the things famously at Google, by the way, Gmail, the largest free email service in the world, Mm -hmm. and their company uses it very little for communications. Ah, I'll be darned. Because they talk to each other. Okay. (laughs) It's an agile house. Um, And it goes back to this thing of, first of all, we still have the industrial leadership model that says it isn't... um, People aren't supposed to be stimulated or entertained at work. Mm-hmm. So what if they're bored? 
Right. Problem is, it's a knowledge industry. <laughs> to get yeah. the best innovation and creativity out of people, they're supposed to be stimulated and, inter- and entertained. Mm-hmm. That's why you look at the most successful innovative companies in the world. They all have games and puzzles and things like mm-hmm. that. Why? Because you people need a break and need to get stimulate a different part of their brain to then go back and be creative and innovative well, again. That makes me feel a lot better because um, a lot of days when I'm bored, I'll I'll go and um, oh I'll practice a musical instrument or I'll I'll play a game and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's better than a than a than a nap as far as I'm concerned. It is, and that's why with one of my clients, it was really uh, quite the battle. I thought they were going to fire me, mm. <laughs> but I found out that several people on one of their scrum teams, all play musical instruments. So we set up a little band space in the kitchenette area. How neat. And so when they were really struggling with a problem and they weren't getting a solution, I would have them go and play a couple of songs together. And you know what? They almost every time came back to the work and, and found a solution very quickly. And there is so much science behind this. It's insane. Yeah, I can imagine. And we've talked about it too. What happens so often in the knowledge industry, remember, genius, Mm -hmm. all it means is you're using both sides of your brain at the same time for problem solving. Right. 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 Physically, that's the definition of being a genius. What that requires a lot of times is physical activity. So getting up, moving around. Mm-hmm. I always talk about the simplest way to engage, you know, make someone a genius is to hand them a marker and tell them to draw on the whiteboard mm-hmm. as you're problem solving because that gets both sides going. What happens to human beings, and we, again, the workplace isn't always designed to get the best out of human beings. And what we're taught to do is the industrial model. If you've got a problem, you just keep slugging on it until you, you just keep beating on it, beating on it, beating on it until you solve it, right? Right, that's right. Not how the human brain works. Okay. Really, if you can solve a problem, usually in an hour, you need to get away from the problem. There's a reason why we, all human beings have experienced this phenomenon where you're in the shower and the solution to something pops into your head. Yep. Yeah. It's, right? It is extremely well documented. There's no, it's cross-cultural that you'll be bathing or taking a shower. Why? Because it's a road activity. Your brain's relaxed. It's physical. So you're actually moving around and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've got both sides of your brain going at the same time. You've had this problem probably noodling around in there for a while, and both sides are are acting. Everything's calm. Everything's relaxed. Boom, problem solved. The worst time to solve a problem is under stress. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. The, wor- the next is when you're only engaging a single part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And... So there's a lot of things that we do as coaches. We have a lot of tools to get people out of that industrial model mm-hmm. that isn't going to solve the problem 
most of the time. Right. And if it does, it's going to solve it with a lot of pain and time and anguish. Get them out of that and get them into a genius physical form. Get both sides of the brain going. Get them being creative as a team. Human beings do everything best as a team. Individual uh-huh. excellence is a myth. Uh-huh. You know, get everybody in their brain, their genius brain form, and you're going to get some really great, great results. Yeah, that's uh, that's great insight. And I'll just kind of jump in and say, if you're hearing um, rumbling, it's because we're having a thunderstorm here where I am. And um, I don't know what it is about this time that Ren and I always... Um, record the program but it seems like it's thunderstorm time as well as uh time to to talk to ren so um i apologize for the distraction let's discuss manners in the workplace if we could because Mm -hmm. i know that that i am really annoyed and distracted by people who are who are doing emails in a meeting and, and who are multitasking in meetings is it acceptable to just ban multitasking from meetings it is and more and more companies are starting to do that there's um, more case studies coming out and supporting um, just how much um, better the workplace performance is Mm -hmm. uh, the improvement in interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. uh, because people it's extremely rude I think so too and that again is cross-cultural mm-hmm. so you know um, that isn't a Western frame of mind you're gonna find that in in pretty much well every country that's been studied mm-hmm. that when people divide their attention human beings think that's really rude yeah. um, so multitasking is really bad for relationships okay. and relationships are again science 75% of why someone is hired or why someone stays in a job is because of the relationships. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I know that um, the people that I know and have known who are successful salespeople were also just exceptionally likable. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, that's really, I think, a good lesson for everybody. And, you know, you mentioned science a minute ago. We, we like science on this program. So... Here is some science. Um, there's been more than three decades of academic research that established the negative impact that multitasking has on individual productivity. And the research shows consistently that concentrating on a single task at a time produces the maximum efficiency and that people who multitask suffer a wide variety of negative effects from an average reduction in output of 25% to a heightened susceptibility to distraction. Okay, so here's the question. Mm -hmm. Why do people persist in multitasking when the evidence that it's bad for productivity is so incredibly pervasive? Simply because people are rewarded for it by management and by leadership, and leadership doesn't know how to lead or manage any other way yet okay that's really what it is what it comes down to 
um, as I when I'm talking to executives and boards, I always remind them, you get what you pay for. Right. Yep. So are you paying people to be truly productive? Are you paying them to be creative? Are you paying them to be innovative? Mm -hmm. Are you paying them to solve business problems and to create business opportunities? Or, and in a, like in the example I gave earlier, mm -hmm. are you paying and rewarding people for responding quickly to your email? Yeah, so we get what we pay for. Exactly. It's one of the laws of the universe. You can't get away from it. And, that, and that's really what it comes down to. We are at the very beginning of a shift in leadership dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, we thought it was going to happen with the baby boomers, but they actually turned out to be more traditional industrial executives and leaders than their, the generation before them. Hmm. Um, so really hoping with Generation X that, Everybody in TV seems to have forgotten exists. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> even though they're the ones who are now coming into all these leadership positions. Um, we're hoping with X and with Y um, that we're going to start to see this shift. Um, we're definitely seeing more and more of an understanding. And Agile is a really good sign that we are going to see this shift with Generation X into a knowledge industry leadership model where people are rewarded for the things that we've talked about, the creativity, the uh, solving business problems, innovation, et cetera, and are not rewarded for um, just blind product, you know, activity. The problem is the people who are probably more, most addictive to multitasking is Generation X. That's what I would have guessed. That's what and I would so guessed. there's some signs of hope and then there's a couple of things that make you go, hmm, maybe not. Um, but we are seeing more and more people in Generation Y um, who disconnect more. We're seeing a lot more of that in Generation X as well. Um, where we have Generation X people are taking vacations where they're completely disconnected. And I do this. I be for a week no Wi-Fi, no cell phone. I think that's a good idea. Um, and so that to me is, since we're seeing an increase in those kind of vacations and those kind of experiences in Generation X, I'm starting, that gives me signs of hope. <laughs> yeah. But as this group is moving into leadership positions and the baby boomers are moving out, mm -hmm. that there's more opportunity for this more... Um, successful style of leadership that's about leading people to be successful mm -hmm. and not creating situations that work against how human beings work yeah. and work well. So count what counts and, um, and not and what Forget about the rest. Screw yeah. it. Yeah. So what can, and I think you may have already answered this, but what does or what can Agile Scrum scaled agile framework users do to reverse the the multitasking that has really become so accepted as a as a cultural norm we see this all over um the world mm -hmm. in the agile world and especially uh, scrum teams but any kind of agile team that they have pretty strong working agreements that forbid multitasking 
Right. That's good. And where they can't, that client I told you about where the scrum master was the worst multitasker, mm-hmm. the team just basically isolated their scrum master and worked around them. Yeah. And it's not, it's not the best situation, but you understand why the scrum team felt they had to do that and why it worked. Because yep. the scrum team, when they isolated their scrum master, actually became more productive. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. And they basically what they did, so if you were wondering, how do you isolate your scrum master? What you do is you start having your daily, your, you know, the regular ceremonies and stuff that the scrum team does together where the designer and developer, the PO, get together and they work on something together. They stop telling their scrum master it was happening. And just had those sessions without their scrum master. So when they were doing the bulk of their work, mm-hmm. they were doing it without their scrum master. They even went so far as at the, after during this daily stand-up, you have the talk through. Mm-hmm. So you have your quick stand-up, and you identify anything you need to talk through or work through as a team. Well, they would not tell their scrum master anything. And the scrum master would go away, and the rest of the scrum team would stay together and do their talk through. No one can see me shaking my head, but um, that's they, uh, eat, that's they even start having separate retros. Oh man! Well, because the scrum master would sit there and do emails through the entire retro. Yeah. You can't. And they went through the channels. I was there with them, and I took them through the channels too and escalated it and leadership didn't care. They, they didn't agree. They were like, no, multitasking is not a problem. It's not rude. It's not, you know, and they're like, have evidence. This is impeding our productivity. Um, so they didn't get any support. So they got creative. I'll say, and good for them. Congratulations to them and to you for being such creative problem solvers. Right. And, you know, we talked about this, but, you know, we we typically get better and and grow based on what we do. So if we try to multitask, we're, in fact, growing our ability to be easily distracted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, similarly, if if we bring our wandering minds back from distractions, we grow our higher level thinking and, and cognitive skills. So by not multitasking to increase productivity may seem counterintuitive. It's based on what Ren has talked about. It's the way to go. And in, and in the workplace, mm-hmm. you know, even um, civilians can reclaim their productivity, or at least that's what I think. Am I right about that? Absolutely. I mean, I've done this. Um, I started working from home on Fridays in the late 90s. And it was because I needed, I had a very strategic job, and I needed time to actually think. And so I limited severely the number of meetings that I had on Fridays. And worked from home. Why? Because I had fewer distractions. People couldn't walk in and just talk to me, right? Right. Um, right. You didn't have the cubicle distractions. <laughs> cubicles are 
very counterproductive as well, by the way. But anyways, um, and my boss at first was dubious, but then he started seeing the huge spike in productivity. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you, yeah, you keep doing this. And our CEO, you know, didn't like it at first. He was like, why is Rick getting a special privilege? You know, and then he started seeing it. And he went, it's like, yeah, you keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's working. That's working really well. Yeah. And I told him from the beginning, it's to reduce distractions. Mm-hmm. That's really why I'm doing this, because there's too many distractions in the workplace. And and I have worked from home on Fridays ever since. Um, and it's become more and more of a common practice right um you know also you're i'm seeing more and more again gen x and gen y people are getting better and better at um putting do not disturb on their work instant message and email Mm -hmm. in their meetings especially if they're they know they're going to be presenting or they're going to have to speak to something they'll put do not disturb we're seeing that's becoming more of a common practice. There are the other thing um, that I work with executives on a lot is because they are just as guilty, mm-hmm. right? Is I will work with them to block out times on the day that they do email. Yes. Those are the only times in the day they do email. No one can schedule a meeting during that time, etc. Right. Um, and a lot of it too is working with leadership and paring down, you know, know, putting rules around email, Uh you know, and I'll, and I'll say to them, look, if you've got an email conversation that's going on and on and on, and you have no resolution and no decision, you need to shut that down and have a conversation. You're wasting time. Have a conversation. That's a total agile practice, by the way. We don't do emails, right? We talk to each other. Talk. Um, So I've worked with executives and start to put some parameters for their organization around these. You know, if the email chain goes more than three emails, this is very common, Uh goes more than three emails and there's no resolution, you stop the email conversation. Anybody on the chain can stop it and say, we need to have a conversation. Yeah, and that's an excellent rule, and I know a lot of people who have the two or three email rule, and after that they'll pick up the phone or walk down the hall. So, yeah. Right, and you know, and and one of the things that's funny about X Generation X will pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Generation Y is really doesn't like talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a workplace dynamic we have to work through because generation Y would rather have a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and in terms of just good interpersonal communications, the face-to-face is preferred because there's so much more to a conversation than voices or words on a screen. Um, But yeah, I, that, that it's an agile practice kind of validates what I, what I thought anyway. (laughs) Well, that's pretty much all the time we have for this week. We learned a lot about the, uh, the, the drag on productivity 
that multitasking is. And for those of you listening, if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or one of the other uh, uh, platforms that carries the program, you can contact Ren on her website at www.renmelberg.com. And of course, remember to come back next week for another edition of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg.